2: Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Roto-World Football Show. I am Patrick Daugherty, joined today by Denny Carter. Where we will be talking. I really need to change that wording. I always say where we will be talking, and I can barely say it. because It's a huge mouthful. I think it
3: works, com- conversationally.
2: You think it works? Well, we will be talking. We'll be taking a spin, then through the latest NFL news, including the unfortunate situation in Washington's backfield, the strange situation in San Francisco quarterback room and the annoying situation in Baltimore's running back group. We will also discuss the players we are leaving every draft with and some picks that might work in any scoring format via a three-week-old article from Denny that we forgot to
3: talk about. <laughs> When's it from? It's uh, it's from March. No. Okay, good. All <laughs> okay.
2: Right. it's right, no. that'll still be very evergreen and timely. But first, Denny, you've got a, a bug in your bonnet, uh, is yeah. that a bee in your bonnet about the way a certain highlight was interpreted over the weekend. And I want, I want you to share your thoughts.
3: All right. So, you know, if you're chronically online, uh, like, uh, like us, like me, uh, then you w- will have seen the preseason highlight of Tua throwing a deep downfield throw and completing it to Tyreek Hill for a 53-yard gain. This was greeted almost unanimously with negativity. People saw this 53 yard completion and said, Hey, look, that's bad. 53 yard completion. It's not good. Um, and I think this, this is because I don't think this is because it wasn't thrown over the top. It was not flown 65 to 70 yards downfield over Tyreek's shoulder. So he, he could catch it on the dead run and then walk into the end zone for a touchdown. And it, it, it drove me insane. And actually it's, Pat, it's radicalizing me to become part <laughs> of the group known as 2Anon. Oh my gosh. And, oh no, so I, that wasn't you to begin with. We kind
2: of all just assumed you were behind that account. No,
3: no, no. No, listen. I I am and and was a 2a skeptic, but this this negativity and and skepticism has has run amok. It's it's gone too far. The guy completes a 53-yard pass to the fastest guy in the entire league, maybe in league history. And the and the reaction is oh that that sucked. Wow, well, you, hate, you hate to see that.
2: Did Tua ever consider it actually being a good play? Would be my response because and <laughs> any if you're on an NFL roster as a quarterback, you need to be able to hit a 53 yard pass and stride. I mean, Cooper Rush could do that, who was cut by the Cowboys <laughs> right. on Tuesday. Will Greer also cut by the Cowboys on Tuesday. He could do that. Has he ever considered hitting him in 59 yards in stride where it would have become an 80-yard touchdown? To he,
3: he should think about that, too, if you're listening. Think about throwing it further than you can. Uh, people have gotten spoiled. So my, my, my point is people have gotten spoiled uh, because they've seen Josh Allen, because they've seen Mahomes and and uh, Herbert. Jay Herbs. Launch these unbelievable passes, these freakish passes that travel 65 yards in the air and sometimes are not not even arced. you know that it's just on a rope right it's it's the it's it's amazing and it's special but people see that and they go well okay that's what a quarterback can do any quarterback can do that I guess right no no these guys are special and Tua is not in that class and completing a 53 yard pass to his deep threat is actually good I say
2: well you just confirmed he's not special and if you're not special you're not even you're not anything you're not good at all. Okay. Um, yeah.
3: Right. No. I. I. I hear what you're saying. So, you know, the the criticism of to Um, Tom Brady, uh, his arm has really strengthened over the past five years somehow.
2: Regeneron.
3: Yes. Uh, he he could not complete the passes that are required, uh, for Tyreek Hill to catch it in stride downfield. He couldn't do it. Okay. He cannot do it right now, and yet, and yet, he is universally considered uh very good. Very has, curious. Very and it's, curious. that's curious to me. The fact that, that Tom Brady can get away with it. But but if if Tua doesn't throw a 70 yard pass in stride to Tyreek Hill, then he's a bust. I, I'm I'm becoming rad I don't like it. I don't but I I have to I have to take this stance if people will continue to put these unreasonable expectations on Tua. It sounds like you
2: think people have Tua derangement syndrome is what you're really saying. Cause man, I've never seen someone get in more trouble for highlights. Yeah. Uh, the dolphins infamously uh, oh. tweeted his, his <laughs> very arching yeah. camp uh, throw or a lot of loft under it. And we're even like of uh, basically like adding them like, del- like the best time to delete this was one second ago. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and uh, the one, the one from the game wasn't nearly as bad and it wasn't live game action. But uh, I unfortunately
3: agree with the haters. It was a bad play.
2: Oh, come word on that. That's the final word. Wow.
3: Oh, my God. You're going to make me become a two and on member. (laughs) You
2: already. First off, we already know you run the two and on count anyway. So please don't pretend like it's not you. All right. And if if the listeners don't know what the two two and on count is, you really need to check it out. Uh, It's one of the best accounts going on Twitter. Denny, last week we began the podcast by talking about Antonio Gibson losing ground in the commander's backfield. This week, we're beginning by discussing the fallout from the crazy story, the shooting of rookie teammate Brian Robinson. Thankfully, Robinson is already out of surgery. He's out of the hospital. The team is saying he could even play this year. So I mean, clearly a humongous setback, but doesn't seem to be like a career derailer for Brian Robinson. Very good news. But in the meantime, we have a back in Gibson who the coaching staff is just like clearly out on like they're making him the kick returner, but now he's again, lacking compelling early down competition should with Brian Robinson, you know, pry out at least several months. Should we revert Antonio Gibson to the RB two ranks simply because his rookie teammate is out or should we pay more attention to the fact that the commanders are looking for every possible Avenue to r- reduce Gibson's workload and still remain out on him in our home league redrafts this weekend.
3: Uh, it, it is a, a tough situation to decipher exactly. I, uh, I know that Brian Robinson was uh, put on the 53-player roster for Washington on Tuesday morning, so he, he he was not put on the PUP list.
2: Well, he uh, couldn't be put on the PUP list. He could still be added to injured reserve after okay. the rosters are finalized, Gotcha. which I think will probably happen, but I'm actually just guessing and haven't seen anything to that effect.
3: Right. So, yeah, I, I think uh, – you can draft Antonio Gibson as a short-term RB2-ish kind of guy. I, I, I don't know uh, if if his ADP will rise all that dramatically considering, A, the, the, the offense in general, the Washington offense. We're not exactly chasing production from that offense. And, and B, the coach's comments. And then C, his performance in training camp in the preseason. He played with the second and third stringers. Uh, in, in parts of the preseason, really, really discouraging kind of usage that you really don't want to see if you're taking a shot on a guy. I, I, I've seen him going in the eighth round of 12 team leagues and you know, I, I think that he's a roster dependent player. We'll talk uh, in a bit about roster independent players. I think Gibson is definitely a roster dependent player if you are you know like I like I do mostly if you're fading, running backs early on. Never Gibson, drafted a running back. Gibson makes okay, Gibson makes for, I think, a reasonable um target in the in the eighth round. Yeah. So you're not talking
2: about an RB two there though, then where I've definitely have kept his rank just RB2. kind of like in the mid-range flex because I just think when a coaching staff is this determined to cur- curtail your workload, they're gonna find ways to do it. And I mean it could be it could be like the classic case where Someone like not even on the rock, like we don't even know like their name will be getting week one carries like that kind of thing where they just seem out on Antonio Gibson, especially it's like an early down running back. And, you know, he's had chronic injuries in his career. He had a chronic toe issue. He had a chronic shin issue, has not been efficient as a runner, hasn't been no nearly as finished of a product as a pass catcher as we were hoping. We, We know they have a demonstrated commitment to J.D. McKissick, who they moved heaven and earth. To re-sign yeah, this offseason. Yeah. He could see a bigger expect than expected workload. I mean, he could end up with what eight carries a week or something like sure, that. Sure. And and Brian Robinson, you know, no one has said he's gonna be out for the entire season. So it just doesn't really feel like anything changed. I think the only thing that changes is now Gibson is like clearly like a top thirty-six back again, where like you have to like take a like a yeah. flex shot on him, basically. Sure. I just feel like nothing has really changed that much with Gibson. Um, just the team just is not into Antonio Gibson.
3: They they will have to use him. I mean, Jonathan Williams is the only other back on the Washington depth chart at the moment uh, outside of Robinson. Uh, speaking of Robinson, I think, and I'm, I'm I think you would just, uh, I think you would agree that Robinson should still be drafted in 12 team formats as, as a bench stash.
2: It's tough to say. I actually would say no, no. Um, yeah. I mean, maybe if it's like a hyper competitive league where like, everyone's super dialed in and, people just don't come across the wire, but if they look like at your standard home league, I, I mean, what would be the real upside to stat? I, I would rather just have that roster spot reserved for like week two or three waiver ads. Mm. And I think if you draft Brian Robinson, unless like in the next week we get word, like he'll be back in September or something. I think if you draft Brian Robinson, he's just like waiting to be dropped. Essentially.
3: Um. There is no timeline and right. And it, and it, it could be, it, there's so many positive reports over the past 48 hours that I, I have a hard time buying into the prospect of it being, you know, two or three months until he gets on the field. Now it still could be, I'm, I'm not a doctor, as you know. Uh, but I, I, I tend to be a little more optimistic about his return date and man, the coaching staff loves that guy. Yeah. It
2: has kind of been a classic, like no news is good news. Like, well, And the news we've gotten is that he's released from the hospital. Like if you can get released from the hospital, like a day after getting shot, that's probably yeah. a pretty yeah. good sign. So, but yeah, and it's like your standard 12 team, 10 to 12 team home league.
3: Oh, 10 team. No,
2: well, not definitely not 10 team, but even like 12 team. I just feel like you were like, why, why did I do this? Like I, I need, <laughs> I need this roster yeah. spot already right. in week two to add somebody. Um, but uh, it, it was 12, like pretty competitive guys, guys and gals, uh, then, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe you could do it. I, it's just, it doesn't, you can't even, what is the upside though? Cause like even when he comes back, it's not like he's gonna come back and they're gonna give Brian Robinson 15 carries right off the bat, probably, you know?
3: J- you, I think you're right in mentioning JD McKissick in the discourse here because it's someone who is just completely ignored in all, in the, all of this calculating about who's gonna get touches in the Washington backfield, and when they're gonna get it between the 20s, at the goal line, short yardage, passing situation. And McKissick's just just there. He's just there. The team wants him there. Yeah, they don't. They're not really into Gibson anymore. They're way into Robinson. But McKissick, in PPR only, you know, obviously, if you're a standard, even a half PPR, McKissick doesn't have a whole lot of appeal. But in PPR, he could just kind of be a little bit of a cheat code. You know, catches four passes, gets eight carries. Yeah, there you go. You got you got your fourteen points.
2: You like people that have like this clearly defined roles. Something I was struggling with in the rankings. Would you rather draft J.D. McKissick or Michael Carter?
3: Uh, Michael Carter.
2: See, to me, like Mike, what's Michael Carter's Michael Carter's upside? I feel like is getting JD McKissick's role, though.
3: Michael um, Carter's upside is being the primary back for the team. I Jets. guess
2: so. I guess he has more early down upside still than my, than JD McKissick. But I, I feel like what we're really like with Michael Carter, what we're hoping for is the role
3: that already exists with JD McKissick. Is kind of how I look at. Yeah, that one. I mean, you're not you're not completely off base. I I, I just I think I think Michael Carter could be really good. I know he's undersized and everything. I know Brees Hall compares favorably to guys like Ezekiel Elliott. I know that. I still think that Michael Carter, it's going to be hard to keep him off the field. I, I, I like him a lot.
2: He's a really interesting one. I will admit that. In San Francisco, the long, strange Jimmy Garoppolo trip somehow keeps rolling after the 49ers surprisingly retained him with the restructured contract, one that makes him both the highest paid backup in the league. And more difficult to trade from a team perspective, but still quite tradable uh, from a contract perspective. And he has a no trade clause. But all that really means is it gives Jimmy G control over where he will go. Just, do you think this move is more about the 49ers just like protecting themselves and realizing they reached the NFC championship game last year and knowing like if you're like a championship caliber roster, you need to have a good backup quarterback. So, AK, it's not about Trey Lance. Or do you think keeping Jimmy G is about a lack of faith in Trey Lance and like the 49ers? I was tweeting a bunch about this yesterday, so uh, yeah. sorry if you're rereading my tweets via podcast listeners. Um, but like they've never been able to keep their Trey Lance narrative straight. There's there's never been that drumbeat of positivity no. on Trey Lance from the 49ers. And so do you think this is more just about the 49ers wanting to cover all their bases, or more about a lack of faith in Trey Lance?
3: So Adam Schefter said back in March that the 49ers and this is you know correct they are a win now team they have a win now roster they could have by many accounts one of the you know elite defenses if everybody stays healthy especially on that defensive line they have an elite defense their special teams is supposedly improving uh, over last year's disaster and and their offense is fine like it's 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 a fine offense it got to the super bowl against the chiefs what 3 years ago um, it, it has, uh, c- uh, c- competed, even though it's very conservative and kind of a little bit backwards looking, it's a win now roster and it's a playmaker
2: Trey, based offense, the guy, guys who can make plays.
3: So they need a facilitator at quarterback, right? Yes. Yes. And if, if Trey Lance cannot properly facilitate the playmakers, Debo Samuel, George Kittle, Brandon Ayuk, others, Mitchell, whatever, Kyle Shanahan is going to pull the ripcord. I, I I promise you that. Like Jimmy Garoppolo is not just going to sit in street clothes on the sideline if Trey Lance is struggling. I'm not saying that the first time Trey Lance overthrows Brandon Ayuk on the sideline that it's that it, you know, it's game over <laughs> for Lance. I am saying that a game or two of consistent struggles, of errant throws, of bad decision making, and I d I I don't see any scenario where Trey Lance can just keep his job unquestioned the 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 media pressure will be on uh, both locally and nationally for again a win now very good roster that has gotten very far with Jimmy Garoppolo under center I it makes me very nervous about Trey Lance in in redraft although his ADP is not exactly, you know, uh, 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 too difficult to overcome. I mean, he's a, what, 9th, 10th, 11th round pick somewhere. Yeah,
2: I do feel like if you're drafting Trey Lance, you should be drafting two quarterbacks. Um, you said use the phrase pull the ripcord. That's most difficult to do at quarterback, but, I mean, Kyle Shanahan does it all the time at running back, all the time at wide receiver. I mean, he probably does it all the time on defense, but I mean, we don't really pay attention to that kind of thing. But,
3: uh, <laughs> never heard of a defense Never player. heard of
2: defense, and... He always does it, though, even like his favorites, like guys he trades up for, like Dante Pettis, Trey Sermon. Like, oh. He just wants to play the best players. And yeah, I have a lot of Trey Lance thoughts. So, you know, one is like the crazy stat shared by NBC Sports Bay Area as Matt Myoko was the first one to point out the stat. Trey Lance, not counting the preseason, has attempted 389 live passes since he was in high school. Oh, that's – like
3: craziest like a
2: staggering statistic like a legitimately staggering statistic i mean that's like half a season total for some nfl starters i mean that a little more than half but just crazy like so raw and i don't understand why when you have a player like trey lance like the preseason either use it or lose it like why even have the preseason if you're not going to like play trey lance for an entire game like why was trey lance just not playing three full games this summer like I actually mean this as a, a sincere point where mm-hmm. like get, like give him all the, like the live game reps he needs to get his timing down. Even if it gets second and third stringers, like what's the worst case scenario? Like, oh no, Trey Lance grew his confidence. Like, that's <laughs> right. bad. Right. He's like, you're like, Oh, it's against third string. Yeah. I mean, I guess, I guess it, he could destroy his confidence. Well, that would have been bad, but,
3: but, but why, if that was the case, then, then so be it. Like you got yeah, to know. Yeah, it's true.
2: If this is like all about timing and accuracy, Why was he – he was given, like, so few live reps this summer. I mean, I guess he got a lot of live reps against a really good 49ers defense in practice. But I just don't know, like, if we're reading too much into the 49ers' words or lack of words on Trey Lance. But, you know, I've been blurbing at NBC now since 2011. So I've read, you know, quite – probably literally millions of blurbs. You get used to, like, there are just certain rhythms – And like a lot of them are pure like smoke, like pure BS. But when there's a young quarterback, there's this always an off-season drumbeat of praise from like the coaching staff, even like the local media always gets in on the game because they ultimately they always like want the guys to succeed. And it's just been like totally absent on Trey. It has. It's just on the record, off the record. It's just been totally absent.
3: Kyle Shanahan went on a podcast uh, like three weeks ago, four weeks ago, and Trey Lance came up. And Kyle Shanahan sort of, sort of started laughing, and said, "Man, I'm I'm looking forward to to not having to deal with the questions this year." And the podcast host said, uh, "said So what? Well, I why have did, some questions." He said, "Why did you not um like like hold a presser like announcing Trey Lance as the quarterback?" And Kyle Shanahan, you know, he's flummoxed. He goes, "I didn't know I had to do that, man. That that's that's to me that's very fishy. That's very fishy. Like." It's based, I have a. I tweeted a few weeks ago that it, it was half a joke, but only half a joke. Where when when a reporter says, you know, uh, uh, what about Trey Lance is he your starter? And Kyle Shanahan's response is, "Yes, Trey Lance is a quarterback on our roster." You know, that that's that's sort of the response that he gives. I I truly don't believe that he has a, a safe job there in San Francisco.
2: I don't either. And I got like a lot of pushback on Twitter. It's so like, "Well, it makes so much sense. It um, makes business sense, which it did in theory." Uh, supposedly he couldn't have been traded, you know, because of his shoulder. Which I mean, there have been rehabbing players traded uh, many yes. times. Body parts heal. I bet there was someone willing to trade for Jimmy Garoppolo. And even if it makes business sense, even if in theory it makes 53 man roster sense, there's a it does not make psychological sense. And there's a reason, no teams it's like basically leaving like a loaded gun laying around. There's a reason teams with these young quarterbacks don't keep people like Jimmy Garoppolo in the quarterback room. Cause it makes it just like a really pressurized situation. And there's a reason it doesn't happen. And I think there's a reason the 49ers are bucking the trend and it's because they lack the appropriate faith in Trey Lance.
3: That's a very, very well said. And you know, Jimmy Garoppolo has not been part of team activities all summer. Okay. Like, he has no, not which
2: again, hence to again, yeah. I don't know why it's cut you off, but talk about fishy.
3: Like, yeah. They
2: thought he was gonna be gone.
3: So so he 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 hasn't participated in any practices, no film study. He hasn't been in the quarterback room. He is completely he's been part of the team, but not of the team, right? And now now he is. Now it's suddenly he's sitting shoulder to shoulder with Trey Lance watching, watching game film. I'm not saying, by all accounts, the relationship between Lance and Garoppolo is, is fine. You know, it's, there's, there's nothing really, it's not Rodgers and Favre or anything. But, it, you know, it, it, is, it is a situation where, I mean, the, the pressure on Lance ratcheted up by, you know, 100 times. By a factor of 100 with Garoppolo coming back.
2: Yeah, like seriously, like one thousand fold. And it is almost like too, like after they watched the guy play for an entire summer, yes. Trey Lance there. It's like, uh, yeah, maybe yeah. Uh, we should actually think twice about this. And we could be disastrously wrong, I guess, because Kyle Shannon is exactly known for uh following the narrative. So for I mean, Trey Lance for will mean, has come out and he'll just be like the best dual threat rookie since like Robert Griffin or something. Yeah, but
3: perhaps, uh, perhaps and he's
2: not a rookie, excuse me, sophomore.
0: Go to keepitfunohio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.
3: Is this house a good price compared to others in the area? Are prices going up or down? If I don't make an offer right this very moment, will I miss my chance? These are just some of the questions a home buyer might ask. And these are the sorts of questions an agent who is a realtor can help answer. Because Realtors have the expertise, data, and access to specialty training to help you navigate the process
0: of buying a home. They provide support, guidance, and have your back every step of the way. That's what Realtors do. Because that's who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors.
1: Do you want a beautiful lawn? Prep for your draft
2: with the latest player rankings, projections, and more in the NBC Sports Edge Fantasy Football Draft Guide. It's powered by RotoWorld, the premier source for player news and fantasy information. Take advantage of our preseason special and get the draft guide for $5 when you use promo code DraftGuide at checkout on NBCSportsEdge.com slash DraftGuide. Again, that's promo code Draft Guide for the $5 ahead of this weekend's uh, major draft weekend. Denny... The notable cuts were few this week. I say as we're podcasting in the middle of cutdown afternoon, and <laughs> right. we get off. Wow, they cut Aaron Rodgers finally. No. Well, um, what, do you, what do you know? Yeah, there, there were few this week, but Sony Michelle's release from the Dolphins I thought merited a mention because, in theory, this could shore up Chase Edmonds' like role, like somewhere in say the RB twenty to thirty range. I feel like his ranks and ADP have kind of been all over the map. Does Sony Michelle and like the potential goal line role he was going to have? Disappearing make us feel better about Chase Emmons? there's it even really change anything for Chase Simmons where it could still be like a three-back backfield?
3: I don't know if it'll be a three-back backfield, but I think it it changes things at least slightly for Raheem Mostert. Um I know most definitely for Mostert. Yeah, Mostert has been hurt, you know, for what, like the past five years? <laughs> like, yeah, it been constantly.
2: Crazy. Basically hurt but, nonstop since the 2019-20 NFC Championship game.
3: It's really hard to Put your faith in a, a guy, you know, of a uh, running back of an advanced age entering a, a new, a new team, not a new system. He knows the system. Uh, you know, so it might give him, you know, some fantasy relevance. But I, I think Chase Edmonds had, had a role locked in, you know, from the start as, um, you know, as, as obviously the passing down back for, for, you know, a quarterback like we mentioned who may be checking down quite a bit in a system that requires facilitation okay like like Tua can do that okay I, I'm part of On. I know but uh they they recently accepted me just as we were talking but I, I think Edmunds wow, can, can fit that fit that mold uh and and um I think that you know Michelle leaving it doesn't really affect that too much
2: so Denny's been accepted to the On Facebook group it's a real big day it, it is. I back. just
3: got the notification very excited my before it wife, gets banned my um, wife has, has left me
2: <laughs> so you mentioned Chase Edmonds having a role locked in, which was very true, but I, I think it was kind of like the same role he had in Arizona where he's mostly getting the ball between the twenties, um, but he's not getting like the important short yardage carries.
3: Yeah.
2: Sony Michelle was definitely the biggest threat there. I think it does kind of raise this floor and definitely ceiling a little bit. But Do we think Chase Edmonds is the goal line back? I mean, cause I mean most doesn't really profile as a goal line back. Like someone talk about someone like, Want to avoid those kind of like really rugged carries with for like health reasons, but I mean, is it's not Miles Gaskin, right? I mean, I guess is it have to be Chase Edmonds? Is the goal line back now, or is there? I mean, gosh, well, the uh, fullback. I mean, they have Alec Ingold. Yeah,
3: I don't know. Yes, well, yeah, right, right. So this this Shanahanian system probably does in this in this kind of situation lean on the fullback in those situations. I think we are going to see that. But, you know have Ed- Salvin
2: Ahmed by the way
3: uh, Salvin Ahmed yeah. yeah yeah i mean, i don't i don't think any of those guys profile is like locked in goal line types but if you're if you're drafting Chase Edmonds in whatever what is he going in 7th round 12 team league something like that yeah so you know dead zone ish kind of guy I, I i don't know if you're if you're taking him th- like thinking okay well he has a shot to get goal line touches like i i, I never really Consider that. I, I thought it's not saying like, I
2: never considered that either. I'm saying now, like, are we forced to consider that he actually might? I mean, that'd
3: be awesome. That'd be great. I mean, for, for, you know, obviously his fantasy prospects, but he's a big play guy. Um, lots of yards before contact, pretty, pretty good after contact. Uh, so, you know, he could rip those off. Mostert is also a big guy. I would say Mostert is probably going to see more goal line touches or green zone touches uh, than Edmonds. Uh,
2: Maybe more green zone. I wouldn't say goal line because I just feel like that's the kind of area of the field you want to avoid work for Raheem Mostert, for a guy who can't stay healthy. And a guy who's like most special in space. Like kind of like why waste his bullets, so to speak, in those situations where – and the entire defense gets to pound on you at the two yard yeah. line.
3: So part of the reason I'm bullish on Tyreek Hill, and I know that's not exactly the bravest stance, but I think that there is a an argument against Tyreek Hill for at his ADP. Part of the reason is I think that they will force feed him the ball. They will design touches both in the passing game and as as a runner. I mean, I don't see him lining up behind Tua and taking carries, you know, off left guard, but you know, getting getting him on jet sweeps, getting getting him the ball the hand, getting the ball in his hands where it counts the most, which is near the end zone. So maybe this just you know speaks to, to to that developing even more. Sounds like you don't
2: believe in Tua. You don't think they're gonna line up Tyree Kill behind him.
3: I well, Tua could be the goal line back. That's what I say. <laughs> yeah, Tua I I d I
2: wouldn't be shocked, honestly, if it was something dumb like Salvin Ahmed being the goal line. It won't be Miles Gaskin.
3: No, I don't but, think so. Um in- yeah. Ingold is Ugh, that's a good. That's a good guess. I wish I hadn't said that. No, no, no. That's that's a that's fantastic. Like he fits. They they love him. They love him. That one of the first things they did was get was get this guy. That's true. Um, so if
2: I feel slightly better about Chase Edmonds, uh, we probably feel worse about J.K. Dobbins? Question mark. Yes. After the Ravens pounced on Kenyon Drake, another notable release. You know, although Drake's not gonna challenge Dobbins in early downs, he's clear in present danger. In the passing game. I mean, could see early. I mean, we have yet to we talk about the 49ers being weird with their quarterback situation. We haven't gotten like any indications from the Ravens about J.K. Dobbins and like that he's gonna be cut loose. And it seems like he'll be active for week one, but even that hasn't like been totally guaranteed. Is Dobbins, who's been generally going like that RB eighteen to twenty-two range, yeah. is he still a safe RB two for the final? Could this maybe create a situation, a climate of fear? Or like <laughs> he becomes like a huge value, like he's still an RB two, but falls to RB. Like, what is your take on J.K. Dobbins heading into the final draft? Uh, weekend?
3: I think people should be should be fairly fearful of J.K. Dobbins at ADP, of course. You know, everybody, everybody's a value at some point. So if Dobbins, upon this Drake news, if Dobbins tumbles to like RB twenty five or something, I think you know. You you go ahead because would you say you're going at RB eighteen to twenty somewhere in there? Yeah,
2: it's usually in like the yeah. RB eighteen to twenty two
3: so, range. So he gets to 25, 27, somewhere in there. I th- I think that yeah, I'd, I'd be interested there. Now I looked up, I did the I did the Kenyan Drake blurb when he signed with Baltimore today, and here are here are some some. You just dated the podcast. <laughs> what did you say? You said
2: you just dated the podcast, and you said you did a Kenyan Drake blurb today. It was I, just a horrible
3: joke. So. Yeah. <laughs> I would never Sorry to interrupt date. your train of
2: thought. I've never I, I've never done that before.
3: I would never date the podcast. Um, uh, so uh, Drake in 2021 was a productive pass catcher for the Raiders, catching 30 of his 40 targets for 291 yards and a touchdown. Uh, he had the sixth highest yards per route run among running backs. He his two yards before contact per carry ranked 20th among running backs in 2021. In other words, before his ankle injury, he re- Drake, Kenyon Drake really wasn't bad. Devontae Freeman was a top 12 running back as Matthew Barry pointed out on a recent fantasy football happy hour that you, can, you know, Devontae Freeman was a, was an RB one in, in 12 team leagues for a little bit in this Baltimore offense. I think Kenyon Drake can be the same depending on JK Dobbins availability and health. I will say with
2: Dobbins, kind of what you said with Chase Edmonds, we never really assumed a goal line role. For Chase Simmons, do we ever really assume a third down role for JK Dobbins? I guess we kind of did. I
3: think so. I mean, he I know they have Tyler Beatty. I know Mike Davis is an excellent pass catcher, uh, at least has been in previous seasons. So so maybe that was a little presumptuous. I I thought that Dobbins had a had a decent shot to get that that work. But we, you know, we I spend a lot of time talking about pass-catching uh, pass, pass catching running backs in offenses that don't throw it to the running back. You know, like Lamar Jackson doesn't really throw it to the running back. I think I wrote a piece on that this offseason. Josh Allen doesn't throw it to the running back, and yet all we do, you know, just generally in the fantasy community, is talk about who's going to catch the passes. Is it Singletary? Is it James Cook? Who cares? They don't not get involved. No one's getting the ball there.
2: It could be maybe because they've just never had a good pass catching back. And maybe that's why the Bills were on the warpath trying to find a third down back. The Ravens have never had a good uh, third down. Back. I mean, Justice Hill, the Zoomers won't remember. He didn't pan out. Uh, Tyler Beatty, the Zoomers probably also won't remember. It doesn't seem like he's panning out. So so maybe it's just some of that. But, yeah, it's also part of the offense.
3: I, Okay. But, okay, I'm trying to turn off my analytics brain, turn off my spreadsheet socialism, as Evan Silva would say, and say – and try, try to zoom out and, and just picture, just picture Lamar Jackson, you know, on a, what is a design screen passes to yeah. coming out of, no, no, that's not happening. Like he's taking off, he's taking the easy route. Let's see. I'm the fastest guy in the field. I'm going to sprint for seven yards and a first down. I'll do that.
2: Yeah. That's an avenue available to Josh Allen and to Lamar Jackson and not, it, it is true. And uh, there <laughs> is something to that narrative. Um, and there'll be something to this segment when we are back after this. Don't forget to check out Matthew Berry's new show, The Fantasy Football Happy Hour. The legendary fantasy football analyst is back with NBC and Roto World, doing what he does best: discussing which sleepers to draft, rolling out his love-hate list, breaking down who to start and sit, and much, much more. There'll also be so much actionable information along the way for you sports betters as well. Check it out weekdays at noon on Peacock or listen to the show in podcast form wherever you download and subscribe. Now, Denny, uh, contrary to popular belief, do you actually do draft sometimes. I do. You have some teams. You draft fantasy football teams. Yeah, so that would be a good idea to talk about some of the players. Where the, the only hook, it's not like ADP. It's not about values or sleepers. It's just three players we find ourselves leaving our drafts, drafts with a lot. And I want you to go first. Who is someone you find yourself leaving almost every draft with? Uh,
3: I take very little pleasure in Uh-oh. saying this, uh, but uh, Justin Fields. I leave a lot of drafts with Justin Fields because That's I feel... That's an interesting one, actually. Yeah, he he strikes me as the last, last chance to get a Konami Code dual threat Absolutely. Uh, quarterback who can be fine for fantasy and even good for fantasy, even on, in weeks where, you know, he completes less than half of his passes for 150 yards and no touchdowns. He still, he could still score 20 points because again, like Lamar Jackson, he is the fastest guy on the field and can make plays. And I'm just, the hope is that the Chicago, the new Chicago offensive staff will uh, design the offense around his ability to scramble and run. And you know it's um it's not exactly a high leverage part of the draft either. You know you're talking about double digit rounds, so I end up with a lot of fields.
2: Yeah, Fields is he's the last refuge of the Konami Code scoundrels, basically. Yes, where. that's right. <laughs> he's like the last. He, he's the last really plausible one where you'd much rather have Justin Fields than Daniel Jones, who's yeah, getting some yeah. of that, like that dual threat shine. This like you'd much rather have than Zach Wilson, who had one good run, like now has a knee injury um i'd rather have justin fields yeah then he just makes a lot of sense like that qb 16 to 18 range you could make an argument that we should be drafting him instead of trey lance like on that qb1-2 borderline yeah he had a very good game speaking of like playing a lot in the preseason like building your confidence he played into the second half on saturday and had like a massive maybe it's the very just the whole first half and posted a mammoth stat line yeah justin fields like 14 of 16 like 180 yards three touchdowns um should this be a – we hope his, yeah, his coaching staff is at least no longer actively conspiring against yes, him. Yes, right. And he's not been getting, I feel like, nearly the amount of buzz he should be getting for his skill set. I,
3: I mean, I, I think that a 1,000 yards rushing is within the range of outcomes. Nah, in, I don't know about that. And <laughs> a, a Chicago offense that will have will, – they won't have any other choice. I don't see any other choice. If they're going to move the ball, it has to be through him. He's their best player by
2: far. Well, there's only been three, I think, thousand yard quarterback rushing seasons in NFL history. Make it four. Maybe that's, but like, he just, it was so weird that he did not have designed runs last year. Just, just straight up malpractice. And I, I did forget, I think he had, gosh, yeah, he had 420 rushing yards in only 12 games last year. Just so, insane. like, 800. I mean I say a of a stretch, but <laughs> seven to eight hundred actually could be in play.
3: All right. And well we'll we'll uh we'll check up on on that stat. Should we
2: be drafting Justin Fields or Trey Lance? Just like straight up. Like forget ADP oh, and all straight, that.
3: Straight. I mean, I'd still straight up. Yeah, straight I'd still up. rather have Lance. I mean, yeah, just, I think you have to. He's surrounded by great a great offense. Uh I, I'm I'm way into Lance. Uh one more thing about Fields. Uh sharp football analysis uh has a great strength of schedule measurement and one and and uh the bears have the fourth easiest schedule um per that analysis and so i i think i think they will have some soft matchups the bears defense is not going to be very good so you could have a like like a high volume of, of offensive snaps i think it could work out for fields
2: benny now i have to say a player and yes kind of really don't want to because uh the first it's it's dj moore um, okay. taking a lot of DJ Moore for, I believe, the third straight season. Yeah. And I'm not entirely sh- – help me construct the case. But yeah. thankfully not usually as my wide receiver one, but like hammering DJ Moore basically as my second wide receiver in like the third round. Maybe in some home leagues he'll even fall like the fourth round. I've just been absolutely hammering him in like the third round as my second wide receiver because it's as sad as it is. I mean, Baker Mayfield is the best quarterback he's ever going to play with. I just think – I viewed him as like the next Stefan Diggs for two years now. And I just don't think any of that has gone away where he's a guy who can just dominate and compile underneath, but also make explosive plays down the field. It's not the target competition is not good. Like Christian McCaffrey, well, it was going to command a million targets. if He stays healthy, but I feel like it's like good target competition for DJ Moore. Cause of how much defensive attention Christian McCaffrey will occupy as a yeah. pass catcher like that frees up space for DJ Moore to operate. And I just like – it's a much weirder year than normal to at receiver where I, I don't think receiver is nearly as deep with sure things as it is some years. And he's going in like the Deontay Johnson, Terry McLaurin, Jalen Waddell, Mike Williams, DK Metcalf zone. And I just think he's almost like 1,200 yards in his sleep at DJ Moore. He's not going to keep scoring four touchdowns the rest of his life. And I just love DJ Moore as my wide receiver, too.
3: There's yeah. It. So, last year, uh, catching passes from Sam Darnold, who was miserable on every level, and uh, a dead armed Cam Newton, DJ Moore was 16th among receivers in yards per route run and fifth in targets per route run. I mean, I mean that, that's has, actually insane. He has proven time and again as a guy who gets open commands targets and does a lot with those targets when he gets them like efficient and gets open at his, his metrics are off the charts every year. I, I, I'm with you. I mean, I, I, th- I think those receivers you just listed DK Metcalf and well, maybe not Sutton, but I, I, I do uh, I I do really like more. And you know, I would, I would describe him as a roster independent sort of, sort of pick because he can easily be your, your wide receiver too. And if he goes zero RB, he can be your wide receiver three, which is pretty cool. (laughs) And I I just
2: think he's just like a classic making the leap candidate. Still, Would anyone really be surprised to be finished as a wide receiver one? No, I wouldn't. Um, So God help me. Yeah. Still all in on DJ Moore. (laughs) Denny, who are you all in on? Who is the second player you cannot stop drafting?
3: Tyreek Hill. I mentioned him a minute ago. And him going after Debo is curious to me because (laughs) – uh I, Debo everything broke right for Debo last year I think that if Brandon Ayuk truly is ascending like reports say he is and so here, here's what happened with with Ayuk just real quick I'm going to get back to Hill in a second with Ayuk comes in 2020 has no training camp has a really good rookie season because of the target volume he gets in the second half with everybody hurt. Right. So he thinks, okay, well, this is how you do it. You don't, you don't need to prepare. He comes into 2021, not prepared. The coaching staff sees it. He's in the doghouse. He eventually gets back in shape, gets his mind right, gets into the game and, and excels once that happens. Right. So now he knows, now he knows how to prepare, how to be a professional football player. So then, so, so, so now I think that he can continue that. I think that there's, there's, there are a lot of scenarios where Brandon Ayuk is the wide receiver one in San Francisco. And so Debo's ADP, I think is really inflated with, the, with the assumption that Ayuk is not going to be, is going to be what he was last year. And I don't, I don't think that's correct. So you have Tyreek Hill in an offense that is, I think is going to jam him targets. Okay. He is still the fastest to me, most potent force in the entire league. Okay. Like his speed is un. Stoppable, um and i think that mike mcdaniel's a smart coach who's gonna who's gonna say hey he's our best player he's our best chance to gain yards and score points let's get him the ball i know Jalen waddle's there and i know Jalen waddle had a breakout rookie year i get that and maybe waddle can do fine too i'm not i'm not discounting that but man the fact when you combine the talent of hill with the fact that he is going to get a ton of touches I, i just love it
2: and I have, like, almost too many thoughts because, like, we're yo-yoing between the 49ers I know, I know, I know. and Dolphins. But so you say now Brandon Ayuk knows how to be a professional. I will also say now the 49ers coaching staff knows what Debo Samuel is truly capable of. And, like, that genie, like, doesn't go back in the bottle, basically. And, like, we talk about, like, the ascending Brandon Ayuk. He was, like, like top 10 or 12 almost in yards in the second half of last season. And that still didn't really dent debo samuel and we now know we could be getting a passing downgrade with trey lance but you talk about smart coaching staff in miami we talk we we just assume they're smart because they're shanny disciples we don't actually know if they're smart or not whereas we do know shanny is smart i just can't see shanny like backing off the debo commitment who just like makes plays in like more ways than almost anyone else in the nfl so i'm not too worried about debo i mean debo the reason why wide receiver 5'6 could be weird for Debo is maybe, like, touchdown regression, and it's maybe, like, the play volume craters. I don't know if it's more about – I'm not really necessarily worried about Brandon IU because I understand, like, the overall efficiency of the offense with Trey Lance potentially being, like, a really bad passer. And isn't Miami – like, all that makes sense about Tyreek Hill, but it, the role you're describing is the role that Jalen Waddle, like, already totally excelled in. And the role that we know Ty- Tyreek Hill is better at than anyone in the NFL is being like a downfield streaker. And we, we just we also, as we discussed earlier on the show, Tua Tagabola just isn't Patrick Mahomes with that role. No, and, it so is. I kind of understand the Tyreek Hill MVP H- is what I'm saying. So
3: I wanted, I wanted to touch on the Mahomes factor because obviously that's like the elephant in the room. Like, okay, he's not catching passes from the best quarterback in the NFL. I know people on Twitter would push back on that and say Mahomes is not even a top ten because he hasn't won a Super Bowl in three years, but, uh, <laughs> but <laughs> which is which is something. Uh, we already know that Tyreek Hill can excel uh, statistically without Mahomes because he did it with Alex Smith. It's okay, true. with with one of the weakest armed quarterbacks in the in modern NFL history. I I think I I just think the I, sometimes I just try like I said I try to turn off. The spreadsheet in my mind and say, "This guy's really good." I just, I just want to, I just want to get him wherever I can.
2: It's, it's it's a fair fair take, and Tyreek Hill, very very good foot, proven good football player. Like you said, he was not a Mahomes creation. So no, it's gonna be int- Mahomes or excuse me, Tyreek versus Jalen Waddle. I feel like will be kind of an interesting fantasy debate as the season goes on, and definitely Debo because talk about, it's about a season. Yeah, that does not seem repeatable but I do just think he's like a special player, but gosh, just so many different variables for the 49ers.
3: Who's your second player?
2: Second player, Denny is Ramondre Stevenson. And um, I don't know, is this this me getting hype beasted? Is this me just like only reading summer headlines? Uh, Is this me having him in my dynasty league and being (laughs) obsessed with him and having a vested interest in him taking a step forward this year? It's tough to say. But I feel like the <laughs> ADP just stayed reasonable, really. He's still going. It's like the RB30. And it's just like a no-brainer shot for me to take. And sometimes I will admit I've ended up with those my RB2, which is not ideal. You don't really want that. I mean, it could work. But Ramondre Stevenson, like if he's available to you an RB3, and like the range of, say, Chase Edmonds, Kareem Hunt, Tony Pollard, Devin Singletary, maybe Rashad Penny. It just, or even like Damian Pierce, I just feel like it's like a no brainer or a guy who can make plays in seemingly every phase, you know, the, the Patriots were supposedly going to involve Ty Montgomery. Now he's got a major ankle injury and just at Stevenson's ADP stayed more reasonable. Than I was expecting, and I just cannot stop taking him as my RB three and sometimes I mean, even my RB two.
3: We can, we can definitely agree here. And I, I relate completely with everything you just said. And uh, I'm not looking forward to the week. Maybe it'll be week one, even when Damian Harris trips into the end zone twice. Uh, and, uh, people on Twitter will say,
2: we will have to endure that cause it is going to happen. Stevenson
3: is the backup and, and Damian Harris is. So I'm not looking forward to that, but I am looking forward to Stevenson. I think taking on a bigger role. Bill, Bel- Bill Belichick said two weeks ago, he said, it, it's going to come down to these two guys. And this is, by the way, before the Ty Montgomery injury. Um, he said he said this. So Montgomery's injury is probably long-term-ish, okay? He's not going to be back early in the season. He was carded off when he, when he suffered the injury. I, 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 Stevenson um, had a pretty good pass-catching profile in college. He, on his very limited opportunities as a rookie in New England, he did really well as a pass catcher so i I am in especially you know ppr wise i'm I'm in on Stevenson at where where he's going. In fact, he he's like a like like essential to the way I put together teams.
2: me too, basically. and just the key is that his ADP didn't go crazy, especially in like home leagues, normal people leagues, quote unquote. And you will have to be ready, but there will be weeks where he will be the backup. And sure. it could be like several weeks to even begin the season. You just will have to be ready for that. You're basically betting on a talented playmaker getting at least 12 to 15 touches a game and maybe more and maybe becoming like a full-blown pass catcher. You're, it, it is admittedly taking a shot. It's not taking a sure thing. It's yeah. kind of like connecting dots. You know, a player who was, who was 100% rostered down the stretch last season was a pretty safe flex down the stretch. So, too, it's not like we're like concocting the story like out of thin air. No, no. There is no, still no, some no. dot connecting involved.
3: The, the, team, the team likes it. I mean, let's review. Belichick said. Stevenson has improved as a pass catcher and importantly as a pass blocker, which is why he was deactivated. He was in street clothes for three weeks last, last fall. Okay. Because he missed one block. So (laughs) that's, that's important. It's a really critical development. I want to say that the Patriots strength of schedule uh, per sharp football analysis is the seventh toughest in the entire league. I think that speaks positively for Stevenson over Harris, because we're talking about an at the moment, out of as of this recording, a miserable down bad New England offense that may have to be throwing a lot more than they want to.
2: And just, just real quick, circling back to the Bill Belichick praise, as we've t- discussed extensively on the show, he never ever praises his own players, he only praises players who intercept Tom Brady. And uh, <laughs> That's true. never, and so it's pretty notable when he praises one of his own players, Denny. Yeah. Who is the third player that you keep drafting?
3: I'll get to him. In just a moment, uh, we'll talk maybe a little little more about him when I, we talk about the article that I wrote eight months ago. But uh, Michael, okay. Pittman, Michael okay. Pittman. We'll talk about Michael Pittman then for the next one.
2: My third one, I mean, beyond like flyer types where I keep drafting Josh Palmer over and over again, Keenan Allen is aging. I just don't believe in Michael Williams. I still just believe Michael Williams is best suited to be like a role-playing number two deep threat, a very good role-playing number two deep threat. But I think like the target commander that he was at times last season just isn't really who he is, and you know he's kind of injury-prone. Um, jo- why, why are you being so formal? Why are you calling him Michael? <laughs> Michael Willing. I you know I, I you know I like word-based humor, where I think it's funny. Like say someone's full name.
3: I don't even know if his if his real name is Michael. I think it's just Michael. Mike. It's Michael. But
2: I'm going to get in a lot of trouble for fading Michael Williams, by the way. (laughs) Stop Um, saying Michael Williams. (laughs) Going to get a lot of trouble for fading Mike. Um, I love Josh Palmer just because that offense really needed a third target. Chargers taking a lot of Paris Campbell, uh, but player who's like actually being drafted in every league. And I I wish this weren't the case. It makes me feel like a normie, like a noob, but I keep taking Dalton Schultz uh, because he's someone who's ADP. I feel like he's remained very reasonable. And he's someone I feel like after him at tight end, you're just kind of like out of sure things. Like, I don't know if TJ Hawkinson's a sure thing Whoa. with his vastly increased target competition this year. I don't know if Dallas Goddard's a sure thing because it's still a run-based offense. No, yeah. don't say
3: that. I have more Goddard than anybody.
2: It's still a run-based offense, and they've got – talk about a targets commander and A.J. Brown. It's been a very positive camp for Devontae Smith. I just, don't, I just think like the story of D- Dallas Goddard's career could remain the same where – He's a tight end one, but like the volumes isn't quite steady enough for him to surpass someone like Dalton Schultz, you know, then it's Zacher, it's Dawson Knox, et cetera, et cetera. The Cowboys need targets so badly. They're lacking places to send the ball right now. They've loved Dalton Schultz forever. I mean, this is the team that featured him over Blake Jarwin to break every fantasy manager's heart. And I just think no one wants to take Dalton Schultz because it's Dalton Schultz, but I've just kind of like loved getting him and, I don't know, like the seventh, eighth round, that, more like sixth or seventh. Is actually well, where he's going, and yeah, uh, I, I like I like to get the safety of Dalton Schultz. I think he's a very, very high floor tight end.
3: I think a high floor is is the right way to put it in a in a Dallas offense that just doesn't have a whole lot of target competition outside of of CD Lamb. I, I see you you were talking about like your last chance to get that high floor. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: Sorry. Uh, Not like the last chance to just lock in guaranteed I, targets. So
3: I see, I see that last chance as Goddard. And, yeah, and, I
2: get, I actually do understand the Goddard argument too, but I, there's just a lot of variables in that Eagles offense still to me. Uh,
3: volume, you know, volume wise, uh, I would say, I want to say, I want to say Jarwin, but uh, Blake, wait, who are we
2: talking about? <laughs> We're talking about Dalton Schultz. Dalton Schultz. Blake Jarwin, he's retired. He's not right. an investment banker.
3: Dal, uh, when we're talking about target volume, obviously Dal- Dalton Schultz has has the edge there. Also, um, Schultz seemed to have more hype behind him, more steam, as the kids were saying back in like June and July when sickos were drafting. But I'm pretty sure in more casual leagues, you could get Dalton Schultz in like the eighth round, which is pretty good.
2: They don't want to take him, understandably so, because the ceiling isn't really there, but the, just the floor is like unreasonably high. I feel like, and he's the number two target right now for the Cowboys. Is that is that actually even debatable? I feel like he's got to be considered it's the locked probably, in number two target for this offense. Probably.
3: I I, I kind of wanted to say at the moment without Gallup, I wanted to say Tony Pollard, but you're probably right.
2: Yeah, it's got to be Dalton Schultz and. I don't know. I'm sorry if you're listening and very disappointed that you thought I was hipper and smarter.
3: No, it's, it's a, right, it's a boomer pick. It's a boomer it's a boomer pick. pick. It's okay.
2: It's boomed. Business is booming. <laughs> um, we'll be right back
0: real quick after this. Talk about Denny's art. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.
1: It's one thing falling in love with a house, picturing yourself moving in and calling it home, and quite another navigating the world of price negotiating, mortgage lenders, and finding the budget that works best for you.
2: Just a reminder, if you don't have the NBC Sports Predictor app, go download it now. The contests are free and easy to play, and you have a shot to win thousands by predicting what will happen in Major League Baseball, on the NASCAR circuit, in the Premier League, and much more. And our Sunday Night Football Contest, Sunday Night 7, will return for the start of the NFL season. Download the app today for your chance to win big. See, Danny, we would spend so much time talking about zero RB, here RB, certain kind of builds, certain kind of leagues – you did an article recently on players who work in just every format, every kind of build. Mm-hmm. We won't go through all five. Let's do two or three players from your article that you just think fit yeah. every build for fantasy managers who will be drafting this weekend.
3: So I, I know this upsets folks who say just draft the best players, uh, which that's I what actually, I do. I actually I don't I don't think that that's a viable strategy. I think that uh, you need to have some some way of concocting a. a a draft that takes advantage of your league settings and, and your roster requirements and everything. So we'll start it off with uh, Michael Pittman. I think Pittman as I'll outline in the, in the piece you can find on nbcsportsedge.com. Michael Pittman fits a zero RB build uh, or a hero RB build as a wide receiver, two or three. Uh, I mean, it's a, you know, embarrassment of riches. If you can get him as your wide receiver three, honestly. And, I think that he suffices as perhaps even a wide receiver one for a heavy running back build for a team that takes running back in two or three uh, with the first two or three picks in the draft. And I say that because I, I, I truly believe the, the the Colts offense will be, and I'm obviously not the only one, but I'm, ba- I'm basing this on, on the fact that I think the Colts offense would be much more balanced, much more, you know, may, maybe even leaning toward the past this year, um because they're they have an upgrade at quarterback because Frank Reich's comments over the past 2 or 3 weeks where he says we don't want to do the ground and pound thing we want to attack through the air they have a super soft schedule I, I everything and 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 Matt Ryan has a history of peppering his number 1 target with uh with with targets except for touchdowns <laughs> except but uh, you know what i'm not i'm not i can't worry about touchdowns I cannot i cannot uh and 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 Pittman Pittman was fine last year like um, you know, yards per route run and, and uh, targets per route run, things of that nature. They were good. They were good. They're not great, but good catching passes from Carson freaking once. So I, I I do really like him no matter how you build your team.
2: And he's got a reputation as a man coverage beater, like a guy who can kind of just like excel no matter what the looks are against him. And Matt Ryan, yeah, the touchdowns thing has always been weird. It's like kind of real, but he's supported – I mean, five or six legitimate wide receiver ones over the past 10 to 12 years. Like going back to Roddy White, on through Calvin Ridley, like he 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 peppers his best players with targets. And far and away his best receiver is Michael Pittman. He already basically broke out last year, even yeah. with Carson Wentz. He's like 95% of the way there. And I, I very much agree Matt Ryan's going to take him the final 5%. And probably someone who should be in the top twelve at wide receiver. He's been right on that borderline. Some some drafts you will see him go in the top twelve right. receivers, but sometimes I find myself deciding between DJ Moore and Michael Pittman, and I've been I've been doing a lot of both, just to be honest. And I, Michael okay. Pittman, I I have on a lot a lot of teams, and totally it's, agree with the take.
3: It's like the meme. Why why not both? Why not both? Uh, and I think I think that works. And then uh, just the second guy I I outlined five players here, but the second guy I want to talk about is Cortland Sutton, who I think for the, for similar reasons can fit any roster, any kind of roster. If you go wide receiver heavy, he can be your wide receiver three, which again, I think is, is kind of great, kind of ridiculous. Uh, But he, I think he also has not only the floor, but the upside in what should be kind of a, a Denver offense based on like, think of it like threes and layups, right? Like, like big downfield bombs and little, (laughs) little, little, little check downs. And that's the way that the, the, the Russ cooking offense worked for a while in Seattle before it didn't work, and I know Until we he caught we, the
2: stove on fire.
3: We discussed that ad nauseum. So if you want to listen to that, you can go find that podcast. But uh, you know, and and he doesn't even think Russell
2: Wilson's good, but I, hey,
3: you know, let's let's relax on that a little bit. But uh, <laughs> uh, he's uh, he's fine. He's a fine quarterback. Cortland uh, uh, Sutton, by all accounts, is the number one, unquestioned number one target. In fact, there was a, a, a beat reporter for Denver, who said he's not sure Jerry Judy is the second wide receiver in that offense at the moment. Even um, now, this was after now. Tim
2: Patrick. Oh my
3: even gosh. Now. Man, so I'm going in on, on Courtland Sutton and, and, and the, any way I build my team, I think that, that he, he fits perfectly. And, uh, uh, and, uh, you know, he does, there are other receivers around him who could also fit, but like if it's Mike Williams or, I should say Michael Williams or Portland <laughs> Sutton. It for me, it's not a choice. It's just Sutton.
2: Oh uh, man, Jerry Judy does not know how to win friends and influence people. He's
3: I mean, um, he's down bad.
2: He's I, I think it's just an utterly farcical. Talk. I mean, I, we've gotten way to people so badly. Just want to apply the DK Metcalf, um, Tyler Lockett. You know, outlook to these Broncos, but Jerry Judy to me is a very Tyler Lockett type player, where he plays in the slot but can also make huge plays down the field. And I, I just find it far I, Maybe he's just not good. I don't know. But I found the summer narrative. I'm just totally fading the summer narrative on Jerry Judy. I'll um, five players who fit any fantasy football roster construction is on NBC Sports Edge, powered by Roto World. It's an extremely good article. You talk about Cam Akers in there as well. Um, just yeah, go but- read it. Um, and Dallas Goddard apparently forgot about that
3: that's right um, but uh acres the acres injury has kind of thrown a wrench in that but still nevertheless
2: nevertheless go check it out check out everything on the site we have all the week's cuts up we have all the latest news up ahead of your fantasy football drafts this weekend just gonna be a big big week over at roto world so go check it out check out our podcast on thursday with mr match thanks for listening today for denny i am pat we will catch you later this week